Hello, and welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the creator of Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today, I'm super excited to welcome Jason Madden onto the podcast. After exiting the corporate world in pursuit of better health, Jason, a certified nutritionist and health coach, now works with individuals and groups to educate and inspire personal change for optimal health and increased vitality. Jason has worked with amateur and professional athletes and shares his passion for health through his podcast, The Holistic Gangster. So today we're gonna go through lots of juicy topics like energy, how to optimize your energy uh, for optimal performance and fitness, how to improve your workouts, stay energized throughout the day, what are things that may be robbing you from your energy, um, the mindset-body connection, so how do our emotions affect our energy and our health goals, how to motivate yourself and stick to your health goals, uh, why you may be depleted and low energy all the time, um, as well as timing of meals, um, sleep and stress, and how that affects our energy throughout the day. So lots of topics here, uh, lots of good stuff coming up, so let's get started. Hello, Jason, and welcome to the Addicted to Healthy podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Laurence. Of course. So, um, as I usually start out with all my guests, just want to get your story. I've heard a little bit about it, but I think um, the listeners would really benefit from hearing your story and how you started out, because you've had quite a journey. You didn't start out in the nutrition field. So, how did you get started, and where did this really start out for you? Sure. So, I mean, I guess it probably starts when I was 16 and diagnosed with Crohn's and, you know, spent the rest of my teenage years and early adulthood uh, dealing with that and all the repercussions that come with that in terms of, you know, prescription medications and just my body really being out of balance. And even when I thought it was, I had it under control, I didn't really have it under control. I think I just kind of learned how to how to adapt and, and live with it. And then fast forward to, you know, finishing university, working in the corporate world, a lot of unhealthy behaviors and high stress, and just kind of put myself in a position where my body just really crashed. And I think it was during that time when I didn't want to identify as a sick person anymore and wanted to really kind of figure out how I can heal myself and working with a naturopathic doctor was really eye-opening to see how changes to nutrition and adding a couple supplements could drastically affect the way that I felt. You know, I think before I kind of defined success based on the fact that I wasn't on prescription medication. You know, I'd kind of taken myself off of all my medication um, by myself just because I didn't want to be on it anymore, but I can't really say that I was thriving or living a healthy life, but I was able to kind of hang on to this notion of because I'm not on prescription meds, um, I must be doing, you know, pretty well. It wasn't until I worked with a naturopathic doctor and started to realize, I guess, how terrible I actually felt because when I started to feel better, it, it was eye-opening that I didn't even know that I 
could live like this, that that was a possibility. And so that was initial, the initial steps that got me exploring basically how to optimize my health and kind of sent me down the rabbit hole of, of learning and eventually led me out of the corporate world uh, to pursue nutrition full time so that I could uh, not only help myself, but, you know, help others. I really like the point that you talked about with um, feeling so much better. Like, I think that's something I can really relate to, too. And lots of other people where you're just getting by, you're just feeling kind of mediocre. And then you actually don't realize that you can actually feel amazing or optimal. And I think that's also what kind of differentiates the alternative medicine, because we're really looking for optimal results and feeling optimal, right? Instead Absolutely. of just being like mediocre or just getting by. So yeah, I definitely can relate to that too. And once you realize that, oh, I don't need to experience all of this um, and that you can actually feel amazing, it's life-changing. Well, essentially at age 30, I, I you know, probably in medical terms would have been de- defined as a success story. I wasn't on prescription medication. Um, I didn't need to be hospitalized for anything. And, um, you know, I guess that would be success. So that's how I started to define success. But I was low energy all the time. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had days where I would just have to stay in bed. I just kind of became accustomed to, you know, that's what my life would look like. And because everything around me was kind of telling me that I should be grateful, um, that's just kind of what I accepted. Yeah, and then you realize that you could go so much farther, right? And it's also surrounding yourself with people, of course, who can believe in it and who believe in you and who actually can like push you to new levels. So I think that's um, really important to note too. So was there really like a trigger for you that you just woke up one day and you're like, I'm sick of feeling like this? Or was it somebody you talked to or an experience? You know what? It was a, it was it wasn't one specific catalyst. I think initially working with someone referring to me to a naturopathic doctor, it was actually a girlfriend at the time who had said, you know, have you ever tried a naturopathic doctor? And that was kind of a new idea and a new thing to me. And I think even then just introducing me to something like probiotics and uh, a couple other um, supplements and, and making some dietary changes, those couple changes alone were, were drastic difference. Um, and so I think that was probably the initial start of it. And then working in the corporate world and just basically running my tank until it got to empty and, and kind of taking a step backwards and really my body just kind of falling apart and having all these new physical symptoms I didn't have before. I think that was, that was an opportunity to either choose a different path or, you know, continue doing the same thing. And I opted to to try a different path and really dig deep and explore everything, you know, explore, you think counseling, explore nutrition, like really work on, on literally everything. Yeah. And I think that the timing is also unique to each person. So like, for instance, maybe a few years before that, you wouldn't have been open to alternative therapies or whatever. So you really have to be, I think, also willing in the mind to change because change isn't really easy. So I think there is a component. We will talk about that as well, going into the mindset, because you obviously we all want to feel better. We all want to be healthy. But then making those changes actually requires commitment and willpower and actually, you know, making a change every day. Absolutely. That can be painful, right? Absolutely. 
And so you talked about low energy. So of course, with any chronic disease or things like Crohn's, there is going to be basically energy, low energy has been shown to be a symptom of pretty much every condition and disease out there. So when you are dealing with something like Crohn's, of course, energy is a big one. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about energy. I know you're also kind of an expert in boosting energy. Mm-hmm. So what do you think in your opinion, why does everyone seem to be energy depleted these days? It seems like everybody is tired all the time. They don't have energy to work out or even get up out of bed. So what do you think is uh, contributing to this? Sure. No, that's a great question. And I think putting, you know, you mentioned, you know, how disease states can obviously create fatigue, but putting those things aside, because even in my own story, um, technically my Crohn's was in remission. So I know that there was probably uh, imbalances in my body that were initially caused by the disease, but ultimately it was many other factors in my life that were leading to the low energy and fatigue. And, you know, I think you asked the question of why people are so many people seem low energy. And I think the simple answer is we're just, we're very stressed out society and we're overworked. And then you add on top of that, uh, poor diet and poor lifestyle choices. Um, it's just kind of, kind of a cumulative effect. Um, but if I was to really highlight a couple of them, I would say for sure, uh, the stress and for sure the overworking because we have this culture of, you know, you have to always be working and striving for something. And I think we just put ourselves in a place of burnout and our bodies in a place of burnout. Yeah. And I think also coming from the corporate world, you must have seen that a lot with people working long hours, not eating right, um, not really having the proper lifestyle. So it's something I think that we're conditioned to in our society is just to always be hustling, but then we're literally exhausted, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners that can, that can relate to, to working a nine to five and, you know, yes, the job itself is stressful. You're always trying to work to get ahead. Um, you're, you're expected to work overtime. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you think of the culture of, you know, box of donuts in the meeting room. And so you're, you're also feeding yourself the wrong things as well. And so again, it becomes this cumulative effect of, you know, things that are going on in your mind, your actual stress levels in your body and what that does hormonally, which I'm sure we'll dig into in a bit. And then adding on top of that improper nutrition. So you're not giving your body the proper building blocks that it needs, and you're actually creating even more stress on your body. So it's just this, this constant thing that, oh, and then let's not forget that we're probably throwing, you know, three to five cups of coffee on top of that throughout the day. So um, we're just in this constant state of fight or flight and stress. Yes, and we will definitely get into that. I think that we've all been through those very stressful periods or even chronic stress. We all know what it feels like, but some of us may not be really familiar what it does in the body. Um, so how would you say stress is making us completely like depleted? How does that work in the body and how does that affect our hormones? Sure. So our main stress hormone is cortisol, which uh, many people have maybe heard. It's kind of our, our fight or flight hormone. So it's, it's not a bad hormone. It's super necessary. And, um, you know, in acute situations of stress, maybe it's a, it's a job interview, it's a presentation, um, you know, cortisol is, and adrenaline is going to go up. You know, that's what boosts your energy. That's what gives you focus. Um, you know, it, it, it prepares you for 
the task at hand or, or the threat. Um, and the issue is, is that we're under constant perceived threats. So we're constantly stressed about, you know, things that we have to do throughout our day, uh, you know, uh, phone calls, alerts, uh, we're stressing about finances, we're stressing about relationships. So we're constantly um, have this raised cortisol and raised stress level. And cortisol is not meant to be released in the body uh, for a long period of time. So in the short term, it's anti-inflammatory, it boosts energy, it helps with, helps with focus. But over the long term, it actually starts to, you know, actually cause inflammation. It actually starts to knock some of your other hormones out of whack. Uh, it actually uh, is catabolic. So if you're somebody who's trying to you know, gain muscle and, and, and things like that, it's actually going to break down your muscle. So it really, it, it, it leads to anxiety and depression. So it really, over the long term, is quite detrimental. And when we add things like coffee and things like that, that spikes it, um, that increases it as well. And cortisol also raises our blood sugar. So, you know, you think of some of these chronic diseases that we have or, you know, blood sugar imbalances and diabetes and things like that. A lot of the root cause is this cortisol. And so it's how can we, how can we manage that? Because that is essentially what is creating so much imbalance in the body. Yeah, and I think it's something that we need to manage properly because as you said, in the short term, it's fine. Our body is designed to ma handle it. But in the long term, our body isn't, right? So that's when we start to see the consequences. That's when we can see like adrenal burnout and the fatigue. And then you have the different energy levels that are, that are imbalanced throughout the day. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how um, your day is supposed to look like with like cortisol and how sure. it can be affected when the adrenals are you know, dysfunctioning and all that? Yeah. So, I mean, our energy should be at its highest when we're, when we're waking up in the morning, right? So that's when cortisol should be at its highest. And then it starts to, you know, decrease throughout the day. Um, and it's at its lowest in the evening when we're getting ready for bed. Uh, that would be how the body is supposed to function. What ends up happening is because we are having these raised cortisol levels throughout the day, it actually ends up getting flipped upside down. So, you know, now all of a sudden our cortisol is not being released in the morning. Uh, so we're, we're dragging our feet and we're, we're trying really hard to get out of bed. Um, and, and then our, it's spiking at night because throughout the day we're consuming things like coffee um, and we're trying to boost our energy. And then, you know, we have this high cortisol levels in the evening that are keeping us awake. So, you know, if in the morning, if we're throwing down, caffeine to spike to spike our energy you're 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 further exhausting your adrenals so you want to think of your your adrenals it's much like something like like insulin resistance you know um if you're constantly eating sugar and constantly releasing insulin your body stops getting the message and you start you know just kind of tapping out and it's the same with cortisol so if you keep adding coffee and these things that are trying to boost your energy, you're, you're trying to squeeze juice out of, you know, a stone essentially. And there's just, there's nothing there and you're further exhausting your body. Yeah, I can definitely relate to the coffee fix. When I used to be a coffee drinker, I would basically rely on it in the morning. Um, I think a lot of us are kind of like in the hangry mode or in a bad mood until we have our coffee. I know there's a lot of memes about it, um, but it's, 
it's funny, but it's also sad because we shouldn't have to depend on something external to have energy, right? And if somebody is only functioning because they have coffee, then that probably means there's a problem. Yeah, and coffee, I don't want to demonize coffee because coffee, you know, is not is not the bad guy here. It's all a matter of where you are. And so if you're needing coffee to even just start your day, then that might be an opportunity to look at, okay, what maybe is going on in my body? What maybe uh, is going on hormonally that I can optimize, you know? Um, but coffee itself isn't, isn't necessarily the issue, but if you're in a place of adrenal fatigue, high cortisol, um, that could considerably add to the problem and stop you from, from ultimately turning that around. Totally agree. It really depends on how you're using it, right? If it's like a crutch, then probably want to look into if it's doing more harm than good. And then, of course, there's always like the portions. People are drinking like huge cups, like four cups a day. Um, so that's kind of going excessively too. Yeah. And I want to circle back. I mentioned briefly about the blood sugar, and I think it's important for, for people to know um, because you know, we often think of blood sugar imbalances and insulin resistance and diabetes as these things that are related to sugar. Um, and certainly lots of sugar in a diet exasperates that. But what cortisol actually does in the body is it breaks down protein and turns it into sugar. That's how it's producing energy. So even without eating sugar in your diet, having high stress and high cortisol continually raises your blood sugar levels, which means insulin has to continually be released to take care of that. So oftentimes these metabolic disorders and these blood sugar regulations and, and things like type two diabetes, they're not even caused by sugar per se in the diet. It's from living a high stress life. And I think that's important for people to understand. Yeah, I like that you brought that up. And it's also with our lifestyle, right? When we're constantly stressed out, for instance, at the office, um, if you're constantly getting into that zone where you have high cortisol, you're um, spiking your insulin, blood sugar, and you're actually not utilizing it either, because in in the specific like um, ideal scenario, you're stressed out, you got to run away from a tiger or something, whatever, and use that energy, right? But if you're just sitting at home all day, then that blood sugar is not being utilized. So that's also another problem because of the Absolutely. lifestyle. Absolutely. And you bring up the, the running from a, a tiger analogy, and it is a good one because in a threat situation, you know, that's the reason that cortisol is, is breaking down protein and turning it into sugar for energy because that's the fastest burning fuel and we're just trying to get out of a situation. So we're not concerned about our long-term muscle mass and we're not concerned about things like digestion. So all the resources are going to uh, blood flow in our limbs and, and our brain so that we have the memory, the focus, the, the energy to, to get out of the situation. But things like digestion shut down, things like our immune system shut down. Um, you know, so now you extrapolate that and you put that into today's world, high cortisol, high stress job, digestion shuts down. So now we have leaky gut and other digestive disorders. Um, you know, our, our memory and our, our, sorry, our immunity is down. So now we're constantly getting uh, infections and viruses. And so our body is constantly working to respond to these events. That is part of the contributing factor of why we're always so low energy as well is because this high stress is creating these issues in the body that now our body is working hard to try and take care of those issues. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned we talked about stress and digestion too, how it's shut down. 
when we're under chronic stress. Um, also, what are some nutrients you can talk about if someone has low energy? So of course, the stress factor comes into it. And if you're not absorbing your nutrients, then of course, that's not going to be helpful. But what are some deficiencies that you see or have noticed that are common with people who have low energy? Yeah. And I mean, I guess it, it comes down to uh, where they are in that cycle that we just talked about. So if there's someone who is is high stress and potentially an adrenal fatigue, uh, then they are probably going to be depleted in, in minerals. They're probably going to be depleted in, in B vitamins. And um, for those that don't know, I mean, B vitamins are essentially what our body uses to transform food into energy. Um, and specifically, B vitamins like B5 and B6 are what are important uh, for our adrenals to be able to produce um, what they need to produce. And so, um, yeah, all of that can get depleted. But I think it's also important to note that I don't want people to think that, um, start looking for, am I iron deficient? Am I deficient in B vitamins? And looking right to the supplements to, to fix the issue. Because really, once you get the, 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 the stress, the cortisol, the hormones in balance, some of that stuff will take care of itself. And I would rather people focus more on even things like water. I find so many people mistake uh, fatigue for dehydration, right? So even something as simple as really being mindful of drinking lots of water throughout the day, or when you feel tired, or when you're feeling like you have those cravings, you know, taking, taking two glasses of water and then sitting for a minute and see how you feel. And a lot of times your energy comes back up because you were just dehydrated, you know, getting lots of vegetables and nutrients. I mean, at a cellular level, we need so many vitamins and minerals, you know, for our, for our cells to, to produce the energy that we need. So if we're eating a diet that's full of processed foods, um, I don't care if you're taking B vitamins or if you're, if you're, you know, taking iron or, or these other, these other things that you might, you, you might be deficient in. I think it really starts with food, water, um, and some of the mindfulness stuff that I think we'll get into. I absolutely agree. I love that you brought that up because we're obviously in the holistic field. So we want to look at the root cause, the root triggers and address those. And it's not about a bandaid a fix or like a quick pill. Um, and and so to, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, I, I will for your listeners. I mean, if they are interested, I mean, certainly there are supplements available to them, but I would just, I would just caution that they're doing all of the other things as well. You know, um, certainly we can talk about some supplements that, that would help them. Um, but I think that before looking to specific deficiencies, you have to look to what's causing the deficiency to begin with. Absolutely. Totally agree. Supplements do have a place, but we always want to see if there's something else we can do because we have to address why that's happening, right? So we want to look at stress, like you said, working on digestion. What else can we do to help increase our energy when it comes to like lifestyle or things that we can do um, in a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. Well, I mean, one quick and simple thing, well, maybe it's not, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's simple, but you know, we talked, we, we've talked a couple times about even like a little bit of mindfulness stuff. I mean, research shows that even just 20 minutes out in nature, uh, boosts energy and boosts mood. So I think it's just, it's creating the habit of making time for those things and understanding that they're going to 
that they have a purpose. It isn't just leisure time. If you, if you look at it as it's actually building blocks for uh, helping your mood and helping you have more energy, then, then hopefully we would maybe treat it differently and schedule it into our day the way we schedule in all our other tasks. Um, we talked a little bit about adrenal health. Um, that's important. I mean, adaptogens um, like ashwagandha or rhodiola, um, you know, certain types of mushrooms, which I know you're a fan of. Um, these are these are all things that are, are going to work at uh, keeping the body in balance. Absolutely. So since we're kind of getting into the mindset stuff, um, I know you've also done a lot of work with mindset and emotional healing and all of that. So how would you say with your experience and working with clients, how do our emotions affect our energy? I would say it's, it's perhaps one of the biggest contributing factors. I mean, for anyone listening, I mean, if you think about the times that you've been stressed, um, the times that you, you know, you've been, you've gone through uh, perhaps a breakup or, you know, you're, you're stressed about finances or whatever's going on in your life. Um, you're probably not feeling that motivated or that energized. And there's, there's potentially a bunch of biological reasons for that. But I think it's, it's, it's the fact that when our, when our mind is consumed with those things, um, you know, it, it, it's, it affects us. And I think, um, even something like, I know I work with a lot of men and, you know, thing common with a lot of men is holding on to anger and, uh, guilt and shame. And uh, I mean, I, I think that goes for all people, but I mean, I see it specifically in men where they don't usually have an outlet for that stuff. And it leads to a lot of imbalances in the body. And, you know, we can get into, Ayurveda and all kinds of other things where it actually looks at how specific organs and specific places in the body get bogged down by that. And the liver being one of them, you know, the liver is essentially where we hold on to anger and we hold on to a lot of negative emotions. And you hear so much in the health community about people talking about detoxifying the liver and doing these cleanses. And yes, those are important, uh, but you can't forget the emotional part of it because that has just as much implications as everything else. So I think when we actually find a way to uh, manage our emotions, manage our stress, talk about them with people, uh, write them in a journal, um, this, is, this is very detoxifying in itself. And um, yeah, I mean, for some people, it's certainly, it certainly seems a little bit woo-woo to them to think about um, how emotions might be affecting them, um, physically, but, um, I mean, it's very, it's very clear that it does. I mean, I, I know from my experience, um, it wasn't until I really dug into the emotional work that I really started to see my healing turn around and working with male clients that I've had them journal, they kind of scoff at it at first. And then, you know, after, after just humoring me and, and doing it for a few weeks, they have incredible uh, turnarounds and incredible um, kind of insights to, to what's going on. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that too. I think that for a long time, I thought it was woo-woo until I kind of reached a plateau with my health journey. And I was like, why is this not working? What am I not doing right? Until I started addressing the mindset. And that's where there was a real shift. I think that you can also relate to that in your journey. 
Absolutely. And even something like sleep, you know, we've been, you know, we've talked about cortisol, adrenal fatigue and, you know, balancing hormones and, you know, our body is really good at getting us back into balance if we are allowing it to do what it needs to do. And one of those things is sleep. So again, I go back to if you are not taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally, a lot of times that leads to, you know, insomnia and people not getting a good restful sleep. And it's during sleep that our body actually produces hormones, uh, repairs the body. Um, so, it, you know, there's lots of different reasons for why taking care of your mind and emotions um, can help. And sleep is a big one as well. Yeah, and there's just so much research coming out with the link between mental health and brain function and all of that with the body. It's obviously connected, even the link between the gut and the brain um, with the vagus nerve. So I think that studies have been showing more and more that it is so important. Um, but also just going off of sleep, I know that there's like a lot of different opinions about sleep out there. Like for me, I, for me, I need optimally nine hours of sleep. I know I function really well. And some people kind of laugh and say, you don't need that much. I sleep four hours a night. I'm fine. Um, what is your opinion about sleep? Is there like a number you need to follow? Um, is there a specific amount? Is it really necessary to get a lot of sleep every night? What do you think? I would agree that everybody is a little bit different, but I also um, having dug into the research, I have not seen any evidence of somebody long-term thriving on four or five hours of sleep. So I, I know I hear that a lot too. Um, I don't, I haven't found any evidence to, to show um, that someone would thrive long-term on that amount of sleep. So can people do it? Of course, there's lots of people that do do it. Um, my question would be how long can they do it for? Um, so ultimately, I mean, what I recommend to people is to aim for eight hours, you know, um, maybe seven, you know, seven, eight, seven to eight hours. Um, and also focusing on the time of sleep, right? So getting eight hours from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. is not the same as 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And a lot of the data and the research shows that, you know, the magic window is kind of between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. And that's really where your body does a lot of its magic, so to speak. That's when things like growth hormone and testosterone and, and things like that are released in the body, which are important for both men and women. And these are kind of like the, the repair mechanisms. And one hour of sleep between 11 and 2 is equal to two hours of sleep at any other time. So if you're really wanting to maximize what your body's capable of doing, if you are someone who's only going to sleep for four or five hours, at least be doing it between those hours. Yeah, I agree. I like that you brought that up too. I think that we've all kind of experienced that too, where if you sleep eight hours, like you said, from 2 a.m. onwards, instead of like between before midnight, there's a big difference in how you feel for me, at least. That's what I think. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you can oh, definitely well, feel it the next day, right? When I have, when I don't get enough sleep, it's, it's pretty much like a hangover. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And, and it's interesting because, I mean, before I was actually having real hangovers plus lack of sleep. And it's just, I think, once you, once you become more in tune with your body and, and you aren't, um, you know, just living off of, of coffee and all these other stimulants and you really kind of, 
you're a little bit more sensitive um, to, to what's going on in your body. And then you can kind of keep track of how you feel and, and you know what your body needs. Oh yeah, totally. So just going off of mindset and um, kind of the corporate world and what we're talking about with stress, what would you say if somebody is feeling like they don't have enough time, they're go, 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 stressed out, um, they're not really motivated, they don't have energy, like where do you start? Yeah, it's a, it's a common one and it is a, it is a tough one and it really starts with uh, getting them to find at least 20 minutes in their day that is some sort of mindfulness. I don't really, I don't really um, try to force people into meditation or things like that because truthfully, I have a real hard time meditating. Meditating is not something that has, um, has worked for me in terms of like sitting down and just closing my eyes and being quiet. So I think it's, you know, maybe it's a few minutes of journaling first thing when you get up in the morning or before you go to bed, or it's even taking a walk uh, around the block at lunch hour, you know, um, you know, in the evening going for a 20 minute walk. I think it's starting with finding something in your day that is just for you and you're kind of turned off to those, to those stresses. I think that's where it starts. Then from there, it's how do we create the behaviors around getting to bed at a good time and, and getting a good restful sleep. And then we can start looking at, you know, things like diet and exercise and all of those other, other components. But if I was to pick a starting point, it is just getting somebody to get out of their chair and go for a walk or start their day with five or 10 minutes of journaling, but just finding that small window during the day to kind of um, get out of just the go, go, go that they're in. Yeah, the baby steps, right? They're really important. I think that we have this kind of all or nothing mentality where we have to go on the diet, we have to be perfect, go to the gym. And if we like fall off or we skip a day, then it's back to normal. We failed. So I think it's really important that you mentioned that really to just put in little things throughout your day and then they, they start to add up, right? Absolutely. Like I work with a lot of athletes in my nutrition practice and, you know, as an athlete who's at a professional level or even in an amateur level that is maybe striving for a professional level, uh, you know, it's very often are caught in overtraining because it seems like the more work I like, if I, if I put in all the work, then I'll reap all the rewards. And, um, you know, how I kind of try and change that mindset is by showing them some of these mechanisms that we talked about that if you are going to put in all that work throughout the day, you know, and you're going to be killing yourself in the gym and you're going to be doing all of these things where you actually reap the benefits is in your sleep. So I think if people can understand that anyone out there that is, you know, working out and trying to build muscle and, you know, has these athletic goals, all of that work that you put in the gym, is actually realized in your sleep. That's when your body actually puts all of that together and, and builds and does everything that you want to achieve. So I think when people start to understand that and I, and I kind of start to create those connections for them, then there's a little bit more, uh, I guess, motivation to, to start working on those things and focusing on those things. So you mentioned working with athletes. I know you also um, really like working out and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you want to talk a little bit about like movement and fitness and exercise and kind of want to address something um, that I think a lot of people kind of struggle with is um, 
finding the energy to work out. So obviously that would look into everything we talked about, stress, sleep, um, getting the right nutrients. Yep. But what would you say when you are helping people would be the common mistake you see with people in their workouts and not getting the results they want? Yeah. So I mentioned overtraining. I, I say that that's a big one. I think the more that you do doesn't always, always equal the more that you'll get. Um, you know, I, someone like myself, I'm, I would say I'm a little bit more on the, on the anxious and high cortisol spectrum, just in terms of nature. I live very much in my head. And so I have to be very mindful of a lot of these things. And so if I'm, if I'm going and training and overdoing it, I mean, physiologically, uh, physical stress is much like we were talking about with the raised cortisol and, and everything else that goes along with it. And if we're adding caffeinated pre-workouts to it, um, again, these aren't evil things. Working out is, is great for you. Caffeine can be very great for you, but it's all where you're at. And so I think if you're in a real, real, real high stress state, and then you're constantly going to the gym and working really, really, really hard, you're, you're just kind of exasperating the problem. So I would get people to take a step back and, you know, I guess ask them what their purpose is for, for being in the gym and to incorporate some more of those mindfulness things. And maybe it's taking a day off from the gym and going for a walk instead. And that actually might be more productive. Um, I know for myself, I had been caught in overtraining, working a high stress job, and then trying to get rid of that stress by going and working out and really just creating more stress. And, you know, it actually, if people really want to know the, uh, as far as like muscle building, you know, high cortisol is very catabolic. And so you might be putting all this energy into the gym and you're not seeing the results because you're just, you're adding even more stress to your body, which is actually putting you in a catabolic state, which means, you know, it's breaking down muscle. So, um, I think I got a little bit off topic, but I mean, to answer your original question about, you know, what, where people should start or, or, or how to do, how to, um, get more energy in the gym is I think first I would ask, ask them to kind of find out what the reason for going to the gym is. And if it's just to a place to kind of go and release stress and anger, uh, I would look at that first. Yeah, that's definitely a common theme I've been seeing is people overtraining, literally spending two, three hours at the gym and always in that stress state, as you mentioned. And yeah, if you're constantly in the stressed out state, you're also not in repair mode. You're not in growth mode, right? So you need to get into that parasympathetic mode. And I've also seen that with my training as well. Um, you can definitely make it more effective in a shorter amount of time. I know that HIIT training is starting to be popular. Been research about crazy um, high-intensity training, high training that was even maybe a few minutes, but it was shown to be more effective than like an hour-long training. So I know there is research coming out about that. Um, even for me, I've seen that like 30 minute workouts be incredibly efficient for me compared to like an hour. And that's when I'm like adrenally fatigued or if I need to, you know, just take down my cortisol levels a bit. Yeah. I, 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 I stick to pretty much 30 to 45 minutes, you know, this idea of being in the gym for an hour and a half, uh, it's, it's, yeah, there's no need for it. 
Yeah, I think that, yeah, I agree. Um, you can definitely make it more effective. And if you don't really know how to go about that, if you want to make it more effective in a short amount of time, we're all also all really busy. So sometimes we make excuses for not going out, working out, but you can make it effective. And if you have trouble with it, then I would probably go see a personal trainer, ask them to kind of customize something for you. And um, yeah, I don't think we have that energy or time to spend like two hours in the gym either. Um, and that can just go into the all or nothing mentality again where, oh, I don't have two hours, so I'm not going to go work out today, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, my, my previous answer to your question, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of talking about that person that's in the high stress state and, and has, has these issues going on that we're talking about. But assuming that somebody's already doing all of that and they're in their, a great state and they just want to know how to increase or um, you know, have a little bit more energy in their workouts, there's definitely lots of things they can do. You know, I would say timing of the workout is one thing to look at. So, um, you know, are you doing it later in the evening? Are you doing it in the morning? Um, you know, a fasted state in the morning, if you're doing more endurance type stuff, um, that can be incredibly beneficial. And um, I don't know if we want to get into intermittent fasting per se, but just there's lots of things that people can do with regards to working out with supplements. You know, um, we've been talking about caffeine, but one of a, a good natural alternative for people is some citrulline. Um, citrulline is one of those uh, precursors to nitric oxide, which just allows more blood and oxygen and nutrients to flow to our muscles. So somebody who's looking to just get a little bit more out of their workout, even just taking something like citrulline or even in a more natural state, a little bit of watermelon um, before their workout. I think not having a heavy meal before a workout is really important in terms of energy. As we mentioned, regardless if you have cortisol issues or not, physical activity um, especially long distance endurance stuff that raises cortisol. And so if you have, if you have, uh, you know, food in your digestive system and your digestive system, as we know, gets shut down when cortisol, uh, is raised, then, you know, that can, that can make you feel a little bit sluggish. So I think it's things like, you know, what are you doing before your workout? Um, the timing of your workout and adding some of those natural supplements that can kind of help boost that energy. And who do you think could benefit from a pre-workout? Do we all need a pre-workout or does it depend what kind of workout we're doing or what the result we're trying to get is? What's your opinion with that? I think that uh, some sort of pre-workout um, is probably beneficial for just about everybody. Um, and when I say pre-workout, I don't mean like a packaged pre-workout powder necessarily. So, but, but, but having something to make sure that you fuel your workout. So whether that's a really solid meal two hours before you work out or whether that's a snack 30 minutes before. And that's going to depend on the type of activity that you're doing. You know, I work with marathon runners and, you know, a lot of times what I tell them is to, you know, have something like BCAAs with MCT oil before they go on a long distance run. I mean, for endurance, you know, something like MCT oil or just having more fats in their diet um, that just really benefits um, their endurance and, and allows them to become what we call fat adapted and actually burn fat as fuel. You can't burn fat as fuel if you're in an anaerobic state. So if you're doing, you know, deadlifts and squats and these real dynamic compound movements, you know, I'm not going to say 
take MCT oil beforehand, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to use it, but maybe something like citrulline where you're increasing your nitric oxide and your flow to the, in your, in your blood flow and oxygen to the muscles, you know, an anaerobic state when you're lifting weights, that's what you're, you're, you're using, right? You're needing, you're needing, uh, you know, things like glucose. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe like a banana before your workout. So it really kind of comes down to what type of, what type of exercise you're doing. And what about post-workout? Post-workout was interesting. And, you know, there was this belief for a long time that we had this magic 20 minute window and we needed to, we needed to slam down a protein shake in that within that 20 minutes or else all the working out that we've done has gone to waste. And pretty much all the up-to-date modern research shows that that is, that is, that is a myth. Um, now, if you're trying to be Mr. Olympia, um, you know, perhaps, perhaps playing around with those, those little tweaks could make that extra little difference. But, but for the average person or the general population that just wants to build lean muscle and, 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 uh, cut some fat, um, the post-workout meal, I would say, as long as you have a good solid meal with protein, carbs, and some healthy fats and omegas, uh, like two hours after your workout. So, um, you know, there's some research out of McMaster University where they looked at um, people that had uh, a meal with protein, you know, within that 20 minute window and with an hour after and, you know, 10 hours after. And really, there was no difference. R really, what it's kind of determined is that as long as you meet your protein requirements and all your macronutrient requirements within a 24 hour period, um, it's going to it's going to result in the same in the same uh the same muscle building. So it kind of makes sense when you actually think about it because, you know, protein, if we eat, say something like protein, it needs to actually be broken down into individual amino acids. And then that goes through the liver and then they're put back together and it builds muscle. And so that process in the body takes about 20 to 24 hours. So this idea that the protein shake that we're slamming 20 minutes after the workout is directly going into the muscles and building muscle. That's just not true. Interesting. Good to know. So we're getting to the end of the um, podcast, but one more thing I want to kind of address, you kind of brought it up with workouts, but um, with timing of workouts, especially before you go to bed. So what is kind of the optimal timing for you? Obviously, um, you mentioned that in the morning, it's the best time usually, because um, you're going to have higher cortisol, higher energy. Um, but what about if somebody can only work out like after work, um, how does that affect our sleep? Yeah. And I mean, that's why the gyms are usually the busiest, you know, between like 5 PM and 6 PM is because that is the time when people get off of work and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I would really probably uh, encourage people not to work out like, you know, nine, 10 in the evening because it takes a while for your body to uh, kind of come down from that workout, so to speak. And, um, yeah, it can, it can disrupt your sleep. So again, we talked about cortisol being flipped upside down and oftentimes people have high cortisol in the evening and that's why they can't sleep. Well, same thing with working out. If you're working out in the late into the evening, um, you're pretty much raising your, your cortisol and you're, 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 you're not going to be primed for sleep. You're going to be, you're going to be up. And then on top of that, if you're going to come home, have a good post-workout meal you know, you probably don't want to eat about two hours before you go to bed. So if you're eating a post-workout meal at 
you know, 10, 11 at night, then, you know, now we're talking, you're not really, your body isn't really ready for sleep until, you know, midnight or one in the morning. Um, because ultimately we don't want to be going to sleep when our body is digesting food. And we don't want to be going to bed when our insulin is spiked because then other hormones, um, that naturally are released during our sleep aren't able to be released. And that's where people, again, actually get the benefit of their workout. So probably like four hours before bed would be the maximum. I would say that's a, that's a, that's a good assumption. Yeah. Awesome. So Jason, where can we find you? What are you up to? Let us know. Yeah. The best place to connect with me would be on Instagram at the holistic gangster. Um, you can also check out my podcast, the holistic gangster uh, on Spotify and iTunes um, much like yourself diving into a bunch of topics related to health and wellness and talking to experts in the field. And then for those of you in the Vancouver area, I will be speaking on boosting energy and increasing vitality at the Vancouver fitness expo, um, which is coming up Saturday, November 17th. So if you're going to be in the area, it's going to be a good expo full of, uh, you know, guest lectures, uh, workshops, um, some free fitness classes. So it's going to be good. Amazing. Well, I'll be sure to put the links in the show notes so we can all check it out. Um, I love your podcast. I think you started a bit before me. Um, but yeah, it's a good show. I also love the name that you found, um, Holistic Gangster. I think that's really cool. And it suits you. you well. <laughs> Thank you. But I will definitely include everything, all of your links in the show notes. We can check it out. Thank you so much for hopping on today. I had a great chat. Uh, I think the listeners will love this. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay, guys, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you loved the episode. Just want to announce if you are in the Vancouver area or North Vancouver, I am hosting a digestion workshop on November 6th. 2018 from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. This will be in the North Vancouver City Library. Have lots of goodies that you will go home with, a workbook as well as some recipes. And this will be addressing things like common symptoms that you can encounter with digestion, why your digestion is really important, how to optimize your digestion to absorb as many nutrients as you can and to be energized throughout your day. We'll go into different foods to include, foods to avoid, some supplements, and of course, any questions that you may have, we will address those as well. So if you are interested, uh, you can definitely send me a message, um, check it out on Instagram. There's a link to um, book tickets on my Facebook as well. It's on eventbrite.ca, so you can search for the digestion workshop on there, or just message me uh, and we can get chatting. I hope to see you there, spots are limited, so definitely book ASAP. See you guys later.